Vince Accardi now joins us on Sky Sports Radio on a Friday, as he has done throughout the year. Hello, Vince. Top of the morning to you, Dave, as we enter the festive season. It's going to be a great uh, great time of the year, mate. Uh, and obviously, dailysectionals.com.au is your baby. It's your website, mate. How has the year gone for you? What uh, what information have you got for them from the carnival that you'd like to share with us? In which respect, it's been fantastic. Uh, in terms of results, I mean, obviously you have all the different packages available, but uh, from just a general consensus, I mean, you've been finding winners, haven't you? Well, we've, we've uh, certainly done a stack of that. Our Ascot Carnival's, you know, our main portion of it's been done, and that was just phenomenal. We ended up with 34 winners from 47 races, which I thought was fantastic. So if you look at that, 34 from 47. That is very good. Hot, pretty pretty solid strike rate. Obviously, with that, there's been some tremendous winners. We had a lot of highlights. Example, probably one of the key highlights was Pride of Jenny, being over $20. We thought it was a standout proposition. There was many others as well. But on average, our strike rate in Queensland's been around 70%. This is a wind strike rate. It's been running all season. We've been maintaining that. Our qualifying run horses, the ones that qualify under our process, have been batting above 80%. In other words, if you're not in the highlighted section, think twice before you back it. In other words, you can be a bit more prudent in the way you handle things. But generally speaking, the race speed profiles have just been sensational. Because it's not just a product that you use in that moment. It actually has, and this is based on feedback from a whole lot of users over the years of the actual reports, that it has an intrinsic value into the future because there is data-sensitive information. It's not just some selections. It certainly is the case. I want to ask you about to tomorrow in Sydney. Now, it looks like we're going to be playing with a wet surface. Um, yes. And it looks like uh, with possible um, shower later today and, and tomorrow, that surface is probably going to be no better than uh, what the rating is at the moment. A soft six, could be a soft seven, etc. Maybe wow. in with rain tomorrow, we could be in a heavy. What's your weather system saying? Well, I had a look at the YR before and... <laughs> The rain's going to be very, very small okay. in terms of how much you know, actual water we're going to get. So I, I would be shocked if it gets any worse, Dave. Okay, so you're going to be looking for form around that, you know, in that, that sort of six, seven, five? Oh, I'm actually going to be on the better side of S6. The reason why I say that is it is summer tracks. Yep. The tracks will dry out a lot quicker. And therefore, it's not like what we typically see in the winter time, when it's just heavy rain and those grounds don't get any opportunity to dry. Now, of course, if the race clubs put a lot of aeration in play and done some other things, that could create some challenges. But ultimately speaking, I am going to play the game in that S5 range, no worse than S6. Okay, mate. Uh, why ha ha falls then? How does his data look? So we're looking at race eight, number four tomorrow at Randwick. Yes. It's a, obviously uh, one of the features of the day, and these horses could very well find themselves heading towards the Gold Coast and the Magic Millions. But Waihaha falls at 460. And also your thoughts on Cavalier Charles, because I'm really interested by Cavalier Charles, because last start they rode him forward, I think because they thought there was a track bias there at Canberra and you had to be up on pace. And I'm wondering if your data is suggesting with a bit more quieter run whether he can figure in the finish with 53 on his back. Well, a few things we've got to think about first. Number one is we've got rail six, correct? That's correct. So 
for all intensive purposes, when you look at the rail being in the six-metre position, the hot lanes are closest to the fence. If you're more than six off the fence when the rail's in the sixth position, that means you're sort of like lane 13, then you're actually disadvantaged from lanes 13 to 18 and you have to get out extremely wide. I, I don't personally see them riding on the track really, really deep. I actually feel that they're going to stick closer to the inside. So it's going to be a heavy advantage to on-pace runners. And when you get inside that 300-metre mark, you clearly need to be in that strike zone inside three lengths. If you're six, seven off that pack and then you're looking for the middle lanes, that means getting to the middle of the track, there's a high probability you're going to lose not only the distance to get into that spot, but you're not going to get the advantage of the fastest part of the track. So everybody needs to really be cautious with that and give consideration. That doesn't mean midfielders can't win because you just can't ride for out wide unimpeded. You may have to ride with a little bit of luck because if you're inside those six lanes, there's plenty of room. you just got to get split. And if the split comes, it's a little bit like Damien Oliver at Ascot last weekend. He just waited for the split. It came and victory came to him. Yeah, it certainly did, mate. And I think that's the exciting thing. So, um, do you have so coming a... back to YR4 yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the challenges are, is this horse's profile on wet ground? There has to be some consideration given there. If it's extremely wet, that's one thought process. Like if, like what you mentioned to me at the beginning of the communication, that what ha- you know, like if it's somewhere around that S7 range, then... There's not going to be a problem for this horse. He's got a, a wet track indicator that's a rock-solid 6.3 on the indicator. But if it gets drier, I don't believe this horse's, is, you know, the chances will be elevated. They'll actually be decreased personally. Okay. Do you think 460 is so, a, a fair assumption? Oh, no. No, Okay. Uh, no, I don't. I, I I really feel that this is a race where you should be scoring up at a genuine five six dollar range. Yeah, okay. Or better for or any runner. So I'm probably a little bit uh, negative from that point of view. And then when I look at the horse's distance profile, these are some of the aspects that I look at. I don't feel that the horse gets any advantages there either. In terms, it hasn't broken benchmark yet at this distance range, so that's a challenge. And then I'm taking a position that the ground's going to be on the better side of uh, S6 for sure. I'm I'm tipping somewhere around S5 or better. That's if that rain's only as small as what's been predicted. So now Tommy Berry, that's the plus. He will be perfectly suited to this racehorse. The way his riding style is, he does get an advantage. And he will be the type of rider that can easily find a gap if he needs to. So I don't see any negatives there. It's just a question mark about, is this horse truly good enough to win this race at this distance, pending the ground conditions? And I just don't have the data that gives me confidence that I should step into that horse. Mate, um, I've got to ask you about the two-year-olds here, Vince, because yep. uh, you do a lot of the trial work as well uh-huh. with your times. Race one at Randwick tomorrow, we see a very short price favourite and straight charge. Has had one run, 
that run was uh, behind Espionage in the Breeders. Mm-hmm. What have the trials been like here data-wise? I mean, is this Colt, um, do, do you think, going to come to the races tomorrow and be mighty hard to beat? Straight charge. Well, let me ask you this question, if I can, Dave. Yep. What is the current TAB price for that horse? $1.55. It's ridiculous. And, Seriously? And, I, I know everybody wants to have a good Christmas, but how about, you know, being a little bit fairer to the punters, right? I just see that being miles out. Like, that is so far out. In other words, I know that if I had to step up and have 10 bets in a row, Animo $1.50 straight charge, $1.50, I would never back straight charge, not even once. Not even once. A dollar fifty is crazy. In fact, I would not even back this horse. It was even money tomorrow. Wow. So its current profile, there is nothing in the intel that allows me to have a high level of confidence that this horse is worthy of that price. Now, it's a young horse. Of course, it can improve. Does it have potential? Absolutely. But we're going to be on some wet surface. What's that actually mean for the horse? So it's a big, big risk. 1,100 metres first time as well, that's also a risk. This, these are the reasons why the $1.50 is some crazy price that shouldn't even stick for a moment. In other words, it's got to be black price, or to even be considered, it has to be in the black. Okay. So which of the runners then in that current market with, with I guess, price is quite attractive data-wise? Probably not many, given the nature of the horses, but probably number seven would be the one that could be given some consideration. Erno's Cube, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, that would be one that I would give some considerations to, but the challenge is with all these runners, not just straight charge, what's their probability of handling wet ground? And that's the other thing as well, yes. So you've got to take that into consideration. Now, it's all right for the players that like to back three or four horses in a race, but you wouldn't be able to do that when you've got a horse that's in the red. It's very difficult, and therefore you have to take a set against the favourite. Is that smart? Just because a horse isn't a good price, that doesn't mean you should automatically back the others. Maybe this is a great race for a multi-bet. That would be fantastic because if straight charge doesn't win and you've got a, a number of the other horses in there, then it can pay fantastic. And I could see value from that proposition. So I guess they're the tools. And the TAB allows you those tools. You do have that capability of not just having to have a straightforward bet because this doesn't lend itself to a one-horse play. No, it certainly doesn't. Uh, mate, from a Brisbane perspective as well, because you do do the data up in Brisbane, yeah. before we let you go, obviously the Summer Carnival is continuing up there. We get to see some two-year-olds up there. I spoke yesterday with Clinton Taylor, who's a, a trainer from Rockhampton. He uh-huh. is so excited to be running his uh, youngster in this BJ McLaughlin Stakes. It's race six on the card. He, of course, has Astapor. Is he any chance of beating Stormboy? Because Stormboy is very short, but Stormboy's had a lot of good form stack up behind him now. Yeah. Well, I, I opened up all four profiles. I wasn't sure exactly where you were going to bounce the ball. I said, now, Dave could go Sydney, possibility, high possibility. Might ask me a question, Ascot. Could ask me a question in Mooney Valley. And I said, I better just open up Eagle Farm as well, just in case he just comes out of nowhere and asks me that question. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm happy about that, that you did that. All right. So, firstly, Storm Boy. One run, three lengths below IVR benchmark. When we stress test it with the IVR, with the, we have what we call a race matrix. It's come up around 3.7, so slightly behind the trend line of where we're pinned the horse at the moment. Of course, I look at the profile and the way the horse hit the line over the last two and 400 metres. Very positive for Storm Boy. I don't see any real challenges for this runner to make that next step to 1,200 metres. In terms of improving the IBR score figure, though, I'm probably locked in at this stage saying you're about a three lengths below standard right now. Now, the other runner that you mentioned, Astapor, it turned up, it's had two race starts. Last start performance at Doombin was 4.7 lengths below the standard. But under the race matrix, it's come up minus 2.9. In other words, it's trending a lot stronger. Therefore, the gap between the two, class-wise, I say there's no gap. The only challenge will be which runner will run a stronger 1,200 metres. So on profiling, it does indicate the Storm Boy's got a slightly better profile of 1,200, even though it hasn't raced there yet, than Astapor. But class-wise, identical. So I wouldn't tip anybody, you know, like, I wouldn't say don't back Astapor. Okay. I like it, Vince. DailySectionals.com.au is where we need to head tomorrow, though, and over the Christmas break. Absolutely. As always, early edition race speed profiles, they'll be right across all states and just follow the most advantaged runners. And I have to say, we've had a number of calls over the last seven or eight days. Actually, they've been continuous, but we've had a lot more than usual. A whole, whole bunch of new people wanting to hop on board with New South Wales racing, even some for Ascot. So I'm most grateful. Great to talk to you, Vince. Thanks so much for 2023, mate, and we'll chat early next year. Done. Thank you.